Hello, everybody. Good morning, everybody. Well, it's morning where we are. Good morning, and welcome to the 3BY podcast. I am Spice. No, I'm not Spice. Wrong. <laughs> I'm Salty. He's not nearly short enough to be Spice. He is Salty. I am Spice. So the Spice is short for a woman. It's just, yeah, I'm 6'3", she's just by 4. So. At least we were when we were young. <laughs> I don't know if we still are. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Yeah. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. Uh, we're going to be talking about things we learned uh, prepper-wise on a great, long, long, long trip we recently took. The Great American Road Trip, or a Great American High Road Plains. Trip. We were High Plains drifters. We were. We drifted all over the place. And so, anyway, we... Uh, we're back. We're actually on the road as usual. So sorry about all the. We're in the. We're in the Silverado studio, the big white Chevy Silverado studio. We're heading out to the place. So I said, "Hey, what we need to do this morning is have a stream of consciousness podcast." And so she pulls out her list because we had. She had already prepared. She's a prepper. <laughs> so she prepped That's the what podcast we do, right? by pulling out her list <laughs> to talk about the things we learned. Now, when we say we ended up in the middle of nowhere. Let me explain what the middle of nowhere actually is in America. Uh, we were at several times we were in places where we could see at night for 30 miles in every direction. We knew because we drove past that way on the way up. 30 miles in every direction and not a single light anywhere. Not a light, not a telephone pole, not a human habitation, not a gas station, obviously. Even you'd play, better have been prepped. <laughs> even yeah, North North Dakota, South Dakota, you know, you, these are really wide open places. But even Northern Nebraska is pretty wide open. Cherry County, Nebraska, for example, is six thousand square miles, and they have less than six thousand people, less than one person per square mile. The Valentine School District, Valentine's a kick in town, by the way. We love Valentine. We go there often. Um, the Valentine School District has. Like four, I believe four, was it four? Those one-room Satellite schools, yeah. Satellite schools. One teacher apiece. One teacher. Oh, the big one had two teachers. Yeah, the big one had two teachers. And some of these schools, this in the county, some of these schools are 50 miles away from the high school. These are grade schools, okay? They're called attendance centers. They're 50 miles away from the high school. It's the same county. This place is so big you could put Rhode Island in this county. Delaware and Connecticut in this county. It's a big county. With less than 6,000 people. With less than 6,000 people. And that wasn't the emptiest place we were, that wasn't the emptiest county we were in. No, it wasn't. So we're talking about very, and what we're also talking about is people who live out there. People who live in, uh, down the, uh. Dry Creek Road. People who live down the Dry Creek Road in in rural Cherry County, they are preppers. They have to be because you're cut off a large portion of the year. You're just you're on your own. You can guess they don't plow those roads very assiduously in the winter. Why would you? There's one person down it. You know, it, 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 the person's probably plowing themselves out. <clears throat> Excuse me. In a lot of places, they'll put up signs not maintained in the winter. Okay, so you know if you live down that road, you're going to be a prepper. So anyway, we she put together this nice little list, 
and we're going to talk about this list. We're going to see what uh, what she comes up with. So grab your list and see what's on it. First thing was a story from the Badlands. We were going through Badlands National Park, which was by no means the most remote place we were at, but it was far enough away from anywhere you could, say, buy a bottle of water. You couldn't walk three miles and find yourself a water station, put it that way. And we came across uh, a guy at one of the uh, scenic spots. Ah, yeah. Who was British <laughs> up way on top of the hill, so he had cell phone reception. And he was uh, calling his AAA or his friends or somebody, I don't know exactly who he was calling. Couldn't help overhearing because you're standing a foot away from a person. Yeah, we're looking at the beautiful yeah. sights. And yeah. He's standing there talking on his cell phone. And his cousin, girl, I'm not sure what she was. Female companion. Um, was sitting there sulking. She was just had that sulky look on her face like she was pissed. Yes. She was pissed. Couldn't help overhearing. Couldn't help. The guy trying to get somebody to come out and open their trunk. Because she had set down, opened the trunk, set her keys down to get some water out of the trunk, managed to lock her keys in the trunk of the car, and didn't even have the water. And this is a this is a summer day, okay? It wasn't smoking hot, but it was up it was decent. I mean it was eighty five, ninety. You know, something like that out there. And you're at the top of a hill. It was very dry. Arid grassland. So, so it wasn't you know, really No water sources anywhere. But being so dry, it was, you know, sucking the humidity out of these people. It was really. We were a good 45 minute or an hour drive from any place that help could come for these guys. Excuse me a second. <clears throat> Sorry. Goodness. Um, so anyway, yeah. So go right ahead and finish the story. So we pulled out a couple of our spare bottles of water and handed them the spare bottles of water. Help was coming. It was just going to take an hour or so. And they so. were like, thank you, thank you. I mean, it was really a big deal to them because they had no water. They're sitting out there in the broiling sun. And they had no water. And they were going to be stuck there for a while. And that's part of what being a traveling prepper is. is not only prepping for yourself, but prepping to help others. We carry uh, jumper cables, not because we think our cars need it. Our cars generally don't. We keep them in good repair. But we carry jumper cables and or our preferred method now is the uh, the jump. The emergency jump, jump pack. Jump packs. I grabbed that out of my car when I picked up the rental. Yeah. Yeah, I put all those miles on a rental car, honestly. Because I, I don't know how many people I've jump started or actually given them the jump pack and let them jump start their car. I'm not... Mm-hmm. Assuming the responsibility, I just loaned them my jump pack or cables. And I don't like hooking my car up to their car with the jumper cables anyway, because that puts my car at risk in case they do something stupid like cross the cables. So anyway, yeah, that's one so, example of, of just being prepared just to travel. Lots oh, of spare water at hand always. when you're going in the desert. Hey, that's a tough one, right? Yeah, I mean... I told you, I think I mentioned it in the, in the one of the podcasts, we, we bicycle a lot on trails. And I always carry three or four extra bottles of water. And it's a 50-50 proposition whether I come home with them. Because, you know, I saw, I, I don't know, if, forgive me if I've told this story before, but I was riding along one day, and this is before I carried extra water. 
and I came across some people, and and uh, people they don't want you know water. We use the regular water bottle, reusable. Yeah, people don't want that because they don't know where your water came from. You know, they don't want that. But uh, you know, I heard there were these people. It was a ninety-five degree day in Missouri, which means a ninety-five degree day, eighty-five percent humidity day, hot, and they're walking down a trail, you know, a hot trail. And I, there were two kids and a mom, and the mom was giving the last of the water to the two kids. And one of the kids said, what about you, Mommy? And, and Mommy just kind of smiled and said, Mommies don't need water. And I'm like, oh, hell no. <laughs> I got I, I, You know, people are going to be idiots. And you, the cold-hearted among us may say, oh, well, they're going to be idiots. Let them, let them suffer. But, yeah, man, that's just not a thing to do. You don't let people suffer when you can fix it over a stinking bottle of water you can get you know 12 of them for a buck come on yeah so that's the only reason we, we carry the pre-sealed bottled waters is, is because away. people will actually take them we well, yeah, i've actually used them one or two when we needed them but uh, yeah but when it's just for me i use the reusables so yeah. okay that one's not hard bottled water the other thing was two sets of keys two sets of keys when you're going far away from when everywhere I picked keep up, them separated. Don't yeah. put if you get them on the same ring. That doesn't help. When I picked up the rental car, it had two keys, and they were both attached to the same by a small wire thing. And I've talked to the rental place about this before, so I knew they wouldn't be too annoyed with me. First thing I did: get the wire cutters, separate the two keys. Salty got one. I got one. We didn't have to freak out if somebody did a momentary stupid like human beings will do and locked keys inside. Okay, rental car. We, as preppers, have cars that are in good repair because that's just part of being prepared is having your car be ready to go. But we also have kind of a thing about driving our cars many, many, many miles from home because if your car breaks down, if you have a decent car and your car breaks down 2,000 miles from home or 1,500 miles from home, it's a real problem because you're going to get taken to the cleaners by whoever fixes it. If you can't fix it yourself. And a lot of modern cars are just really not that self-fixable. When I was, when we were young and poor, we had an axle fall out of a car when we were 300 miles from home. And that was not a good time. That was a bad thing. It was, cost more, it it just cost more to uh, get the car home than. We actually didn't get the car home. We we sold it for a song where it was. Yeah, we sold it for scrap, actually. Come to think of it. But so. Basically, when we take these big, long trips, I mean, we put 3,000 miles plus on this rental car in a week, a little over a week. I mean... And if it broke, it was their problem. Yeah, if it broke, it was their problem. But I'm going to bring up something that isn't really totally prepping, but I want you to be aware of this because this is a thing. I We formerly, our insurance cover, you know, our insurance company says, I oh, will cover the cost of rental cars, right? But there's a kicker in almost every single rental car or every single car insurance policy that I want everybody on this planet to be aware of. And I want you to be aware of this if you rent a car. If you rent a car and if you have insurance from pretty much any of the major, if you have it from uh, State Farm, which is by far the biggest, uh, auto insurance place on the planet or you have it from progressive or you have it from geico 
or you have it from Nationwide Allied, or you have it from Safeco. We have ours at Safeco. Um, not that that really matters, but or if you have it at any of the big ones. There may be some small ones out there, but any of the big ones, this is true. If you rent a car and you use your insurance for your car on the rental, which they say you can. Let's say you rent it on a credit card. And that covers everything that isn't covered by your personal insurance. So you think you're safe. With one exception, and this is coming back to bite people big time. The exception is, if you total a car, you're, you're good. But if you hit a deer and damage the car, okay, and that car is repaired by your insurance, there, it, when that car is sold, that car is sold with an accident on its record. The difference between what that car should bring with a clean accident report and what that car does bring, because it has an accident, it will be several thousand dollars. Several thousand dollars. If, depending on how nice the car is, it could be up to $10,000 difference. Seriously. That's on you. And your insurance and your credit card does not cover that. And some insurance also doesn't cover loss of use while they're fixing the car. And a lot of insurance doesn't cover a loss and of you've use. You've got no control over how fast they fix the car. <clears throat> yeah, it may take you pay full rental price for every car, day there. You have to pay for the going rate for that car every single day. It's out of commission. Just keep that in mind when you rent a car. The damaged liability from the rental car place covers all that stuff. It's, it's a ridiculously rip-off. expensive. It's a ripoff. But it's a vacation, and we didn't want to worry. So here we are. Rental cars can go anywhere, right? Yeah. There's nothing more indestructible than a rental car with a damage waiver on it. (laughs) So we're we're going wherever we're going, and we're having, you know, a bison cross the road in front of us and things like that. Okay, well, if one of those beasts decides to jump out and hit the car, it's not our worry. Yeah, really. I mean, it's... so. Normally, it's you know it's it's expensive and it's stupid, and it's a rip off because if you're a good driver, you're not going to hit anything. Probably, I do believe some of those trees are turning. They are. It's that time In of year. August. They always start to turn this time of year. It's weird August though. We're having it a is. weird August. Strangely cool and comfortable. Very here. cool and comfortable. Anyway, so just an just an aside, but be prepared for if you. Rent a car that way. That's just some advice. So there we are in the middle of big sky country out in Nebraska. The eclipse out there, prime, ladies and gentlemen, prime. It was a thing of beauty. Oh, yeah, I'll post a picture, too, on the the, the eclipse story that went on the website uh, Sunday. I don't know when, you'll, when we'll put this on, but. It won't be before I put the eclipse picture. Uh, with an eclipse, we, we I have a uh, a really nice list of of things a, a guy learned during the eclipse prepping things. Uh, I took that. I took a lot of eclipse pictures. So, but I had an addendum to that list, the the, uh, the nice list that the other gent prepared, and we've got up on the three by website. You do have an addendum. I have an addendum. 
because we were out middle of nowhere in Nebraska, and as soon as the eclipse was over, we pack up, we start heading for home in Missouri. And right after we get on the interstate, pretty soon it starts to clog up and slow down. Oh, yeah. yeah. And the interstate's starting to run at 35 miles. Now we're still 80 miles from Lincoln, and Lincoln is still west of Omaha, and we knew the interstate was going to be clogged that far. Everybody who migrated to the path of totality to see the eclipse in the area, a lot of them were going to want to get back to Omaha to get back where they were going. Yeah, a lot of Des Moines, Twin Cities, uh, even Chicago were, you know. Given that there is a star party out where we were every year, it's likely that other astronomers knew the place and knew the skies were good and came to Omaha and came out. But at any rate, we were looking at more than a hundred miles of congested, slow, potentially stopped traffic. So we pulled out our old-fashioned paper map. You should see our map. Our map pile is yeah. awesome. <laughs> we have great. Now, not only I brought a brick of maps. No, not only do we have the nice state-issued current, we try to pick them up as we go, current road maps, but we also have, I think ours are the Rand McNally brand, the quick-fold maps, the ones that are laminated. laminated. Oh, there's nothing better for a prepper to own than laminated quick-fold maps. They're not uh, detailed enough to show every little tiny side road, but they are good general navigation aids. and They're fast. They don't ruin when they get wet, and they're easy to pull out, and you don't block the driver's vision fiddling with a map in front of his face. It's, it's a good you thing. you don't drive the driver nuts spending 10 minutes folding the thing back up just to <laughs> need it again. So, yeah, we're like, so she pulls out the map, and, um... Hey, look, it, this side road in five miles. Five, side road in five miles. South, south. Where's it go? Well, it goes down to here, and then it goes down to 136. Oh, 136, that goes through home. Well, not exactly home, but pretty darn close. As close as any road that big comes to 136 home. 136 runs across North Missouri, and we're North Missouri. 136 runs across North Missouri. I'm like, hey, if we get on 136, worst case scenario, I can get home. So let's try 136. Let's see if that's clean. Absolutely clean. A GPS would never have routed us that way because it's a 55-mile-per-hour roads instead of interstate speed roads. 60, 65. Uh, It wasn't actually many miles out of our way, and it wasn't actually any time out out of our way. Yeah, something like that. We're still going east and we're still going south. But the interstate was doing 35 or 40 miles an hour when we got off it. Yeah, we're. (laughs) And we had no traffic on the small roads. Yeah, we're down there. We're going 60. We're going the speed limit the whole way. Yeah, I admit, I am one of those annoying drivers. She is too. We're those annoying drivers that actually drive the speed limit. Sorry. And we wear our seatbelts. Because you know why? Because we're preppers. And we realize the most common thing that's going to kill you not of natural causes, is an auto accident. And you're much more likely to survive an auto accident if you're wearing your seatbelt and driving the speed limit. That and we probably would have died in one previous accident if we hadn't both been wearing our seatbelts yeah, when say, the we, entire we front of the car came up into our faces. Our, <laughs> no, we are living because of our seatbelts. So that's motivational. And that turtle needs to get off the road because... I almost got him. At least he's not a pancake tortoise today. He was a little one. So, yeah, I don't think we're going to make it to your list. We're going to have to put this on pause, I think. 
That's fine. The second part of it, because it's going to end up being a little longer than I thought. The uh, I can throw in one more quick one here. Okay, because we're, we're, we're about ready to get towards the farmer's market. So. If you wear eyeglasses, two things. Spares and repair kit that has the little tiny screws and the little tiny screwdrivers. Oh, yeah. Because that fixes the most common problem with eyeglasses. If something catastrophically bad happens, you got a spare pair. Between those two things, if you really need your glasses to see reasonably well, and some of us do, uh, the eyeglass repair kits take up about two square inches and are well worth it. It saved a, a lot of hassle and annoyance and... Trying to fit glasses together with duct tape never works out well, wonderful as duct tape is. Very much worth the space. They've got donkeys and horses together. I wonder what they're trying to do. Okay. Next thing about glasses. Now, we do not have any sponsors on our show. Nobody sponsors us at all. We we don't roll that way. I eventually put a put an Amazon link that if you want to support the show, you can just click on it and buy your stuff from Amazon through us. It, it doesn't cost you a dime. Um, I'll get that set up one of these days. I, we're not. We don't do ads. We're not going to do ads. We're just. That's not what we do. We're not ad people. Okay. That's not what we. We do. don't want you wondering whether you're, we're just trying to sell you something again because we're not trying to sell you a dang thing. No, we don't want to sell you anything. So, when I say spare glasses to us equals a Zenni Optical, I mean Z-E-N-N-I dot com. Zenni Optical is, we, we buy all, all of our glasses there. Now, we have to get a uh, prescription from a local source. Including a distance between your eyes. It's called an OD. Um, so Ocular distance. What they do is they do your, and I, everybody should get an eye exam every year. I've got a got a good friend who didn't and, and has late stage glaucoma, which was not caught early, and it's making it very difficult for him to manage. He's probably going to lose his eyesight. A coworker of mine, uh, we just put in a 34-inch screen at his desk so he could read his computer. But he didn't get his eyes examined. So everybody needs to get their eyes examined. It's painless. It's not that expensive. You just It's something everybody needs to do. Okay. But you get your eyes examined. And what they do when you get done with eye examination is they ha- you have a prescription. That is your medical information. You are legally allowed to just say, I need a copy of that. And they have to give it to you. They now, often resist because they'd rather sell you their pair of glasses for three hundred dollars. And they know what you they know what you're doing. But I got an out for you. I've got an out for you. Um, and if you're a non-confrontational person and you're not even lying, probably. Uh, <laughs> so they sit you down and they measure the width of your eyeballs. It's called your OD. And there's other things they can, that it might be. Um, the distance between one center the, of one eye and the center of the other. Yeah. They measure that. That is not considered part of your prescription. So they do not have to give you that. But you need your OD to um, 
Order glasses online. Order glasses because it's very important if you don't get your OD right. Now, Zenny will send you a little OD gauge that you can uh, put in front of your eyes and have somebody measure them. It's pretty crude, but it does work. I tried it with a, a friend of mine who she wanted to get her glasses, a co-worker, and uh, we tried it with her, and she was very pleased with it, and she's a picky person. Uh, but it's very crude. It's better to get that from your eye doctor. But here's a great way to get that where they do not feel like you're, um, they don't feel threatened because they're threatened by people going to Zenny because it costs them money. And, of course, they're trying to make a living. So one thing you can do to get that OD measurement from them is say, hey, look, I'm considering going snorkeling or scuba diving. And I want to get a prescription mask made, but I need that measurement for this mask. No optical place on the planet does this. Yeah. How did we discover this? By accident, we actually needed prescription masks made for for scuba diving. Yeah. Um, But no optician on the planet offers scuba masks. You have to go to a scuba shop. And they go, oh, well, yeah, I can do that because that's not a threat to them because you're not taking a product. Now, whether you actually do get yourself a mask, and if you do dive or snorkel, I highly recommend you do this. It's not expensive. Very much improves the experience. Very much improves the experience. Very, very much. We've got, in fact, we carry spare prescription masks because, I mean, it just totally ruins the, the experience to not have a prescription mask. I mean, it's still... I mean, it's still okay but it's not really what you want but and that's a non-threatening way to say hey we may we may be diving one of these days because who knows you may it could happen right heck you could even use them in the pool it could happen you're not use mine in the pool i'm that blind you're maybe not being entirely um high percentage (laughs) let's put it that way but you're not actually lying and I, I try not to try not to lie except for when I really want to, then I do. <laughs> or or I'm from Missouri and we like to do stretchers. That's a very pretty bird. Rock doves can be very pretty. Um so stretchers aren't lies. Stretchers are stretchers. Those are just recreational. Yeah. Okay. So we're getting ready to, to go into the farmer's market and so we're gonna take a little break from y'all. We're going to put the, the big machine on pause, and uh, we'll be back. You won't notice we're gone, probably, except for if we hadn't done this big buildup, you probably wouldn't have noticed we're gone. So we shall talk to you on the other side of picking up some zucchini. And we are back, even though you really didn't notice us being gone. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back to the show, the big show. The show of record. We are out amongst the uh, God and his creatures. God and his creatures, because we ain't anywhere near anywhere. We're on the way. We're about 10 miles out or so from the place. So hit it. One of my uh, trips this summer was with a friend of mine who brought along her 12-week-old standard poodle puppy. Her friend Doc. We'll hear more of Doc in the future. uh, Doc shows up in some of my posts because... I picked her brain, you might say, for some ideas. 
since, unlike me, she is an actual physician and a board-certified psychiatrist and all sorts of cool things. But anyway, we were, went out hiking together and we brought the puppy. And that got me to thinking about prepping for pets. Prepping for puppies. Pets. Pets in general. Yeah. Uh, to be fair, we do not currently have a pet. We're not home very enough to keep a dog. Cats are not of interest to us. And we happen to be between fish and we're, reptiles. Yeah, we're between <laughs> fish at the moment. We are considering, somewhat loosely within the next year, a Russian tortoise or two. But that will not be much of a prepping problem. No. because tortoise. They don't make noise. That's one of the things that constrained our movements is puppies tend to become unhappy when left alone in strange places. And this particular dog wasn't loud, but lots of pets are loud. But this particular dog was pretty young, too. I mean, she was a puppy puppy. Yeah, but some dogs never get over that. If you live with one of them, you know this. Oh, yeah. But you might as well keep this in mind when you're considering your plans. It's very difficult to leave an animal like that and not attract a whole lot of attention to where the animal and your stuff is. Even if you're only gone for a few minutes, it's hard to explain that to a dog before you go in ways they're going to understand. And that can be a real problem. And when they feel threatened, they bark and try and defend their territory. So you can't trust them to be quiet when you want when it, the logical and reasonable thing is for them to be quiet. That's kind of not their groove. So you keep that in mind when you plan. Now, Doc, being a smart lady, actually took the dog for plenty of practice rides in the car before she tried to take off on a big, long road trip with the dog. And she drove several hundred miles with a 16-week-old puppy. Good luck with that, girl. That was actually fine. But the first ride with the dog was not fine. The first ride with the dog had the dog puking a few times. The second ride with the dog had the dog puking a little bit. She got some medication before she tried the third ride with the dog, but by then the dog was over the motion sickness thing. Which is one of the points I wanted to bring up. Get now, the pet accustomed I, to having never actually car. ridden with Doc, I don't know if that was the dog's problem or if she drives like a <laughs> maniac. I don't know. Knowing the, knowing the woman... She did not drive us off a single mountain despite <laughs> being on roads that gave her every opportunity to do that. Okay. Well, I, I know the woman. She can be adventurous. <laughs> oh, look, there's a curb. Nail it. <laughs> No, as I said, she's not stupid. But it was a good thing that she had accustomed the dog to both traveling in the car and understanding where the dog was supposed to be in the car so the dog wasn't trying to crawl up into her lap when it got lonely and she was trying to drive and things like that. So accustoming the animal to car travel, if car travel is part of your plans, will reduce your stress level enormously if you ever have to execute those bug-out plans. You know, a lot of people, you know, we call every animal pretty much that any of us have as pets and stuff, we, we call the boys. Yeah. Mammy, Mammy's got the boys. Uh, Paranoid Prepper has the Jersey Boys. And if you haven't read his Jersey Boys uh, piece on the on the site, you should look up Jersey Boys because it's hilarious. Yeah, there's some killer animals there. <laughs> i tell you what. But, um, yeah, it's, a, it's something that people... People who plan to stay in place in a um, SHTF, I always get the letters wrong because I'm a little dyslexic, situation, 
need to realize that part of what they need to have is you need to have light discipline so that you're not the only house that's lit up at night. But you also need to have noise discipline. And the question becomes, are your dogs going to be a problem? And if they are, what are you going to do about them? And if you want to tuck in and not be noticed, do you have to take this dog out and walk around with it a couple times a day? Or let it poop on the floor, one or the other. You know, because puppy pads, you can run out of them real quick. And uh, the question becomes, you know, if you're not, if you're not in a in a city situation, if you live out in the country, it's no big deal. But if you have somebody trying to trying to nose around your house, let's say, for example, you have several people nosing around your house to see, you know, if they can maybe liberate some of your stuff. You know, one, if you have yappy dogs, well, you're going to know that somebody's out there. So that's a good thing. The bad side of it is that they're going to know that somebody's in there. Bad or good. It depends. It depends on the, how bad the situation is. So ju- whatever you think is fine, just keep it in mind. That's all we're saying. It's just something to keep in mind. And if your pet tends to get motion sick in the car, get the motion sick meds before as part of your preps. So you've got some on hand. Right. And you do not want to be bugging out with a dog puking all over your car. And you got to realize what it's like. I mean, most people who have dogs realize that it's, it's a lot harder to travel with an animal than it is traveling without an animal please there's a car guy wasn't paying the slightest bit of attention on this road which is not a good road driving down the road talking on the phone with one hand and waving the other one around and nothing actually on the steering wheel at the moment people are nuts Um, anyway keep in mind keep in mind you know other pets are not that big of a deal, but if you have beloved cats, traveling with a cat is just not fun. What are you going to do? Are you going to really lug a cat around with you? Is, is this really, I mean, are you going to take a pet carrier and lug a cat around with you? If so, get the cat used to it. Absolutely. It's going to be stressful enough without that. Do you have multiple cats? Well, I hope they like each other in the pet carrier because you know that's what you're going to be talking about if you've got this idea that you will set them free and they will make their own way in the wild get the heck over it they don't know how to hunt they don't know how to hunt they're not unless they're well unless that's part of their everyday routine you know if you got a calf i say calf because i just saw saw a calf (laughs) milking on a on its mom i just saw it and i was like calf yeah um if you got a cat that uh, is like an outdoor type cat it'll be fine okay well maybe it's a lot of them don't know how to hunt very well anyway they do in our town because <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're rural folks so you know we know what a barn cat is you know if you got a barn cat the barn cat will be fine you don't even feed barn cats they, they they take care of themselves i grew up somewhere just outside of a major city and we were always having poor starving desperate animals come to the door because somebody had clearly kicked them out in the country because they will make their way in the wild instead they were starving to death and desperate and we couldn't adopt very many of them one or two of them stayed 
But most of them had to go to the shelter because we were unwilling to let them just starve to death, and we couldn't keep everyone that came by. There's so a, that's not a plan. There's a uh, group of people that in the past we have supported. Uh, it's a group of it's a it's a uh, rescue group for the Florida Everglades because people take their in Miami take their dogs that they don't want anymore out to the Everglades for some god awful reason. The Everglades. That, that looks people. wild. That looks, well, yeah, it's full of it's alligators. Real, yeah, it's really by. It's right next to Miami, so. Oh, I'll take them out to the Everglades. There's nothing for your pets who have pets. Food is the dinner bowl for these people, for these pets. Food is the dinner bowl. And there are no dinner bowls out in the Everglades. Okay? And there's not many small mammals for them to catch and eat because the alligators are eating them. But and they the can pythons get eaten are eating by them. mosquitoes out there and other kind of black parasites. Ugh. Poor things. Oh, you don't know black flies, so you've seen Everglades black flies. Trust me, <laughs> we've seen Everglades black uh, uh, flies. We fled the field of battle. Oh, we fled. Yes, we fled the field flies. of battle. It was. It was a. A. Uh, what was the? It wasn't a tactical retreat. It was a full-on rout of <laughs> us running back to the vehicle to get these things off of us. It was the skeeters weren't ba- that bad at, when we were there, but. The flies. That's partly where I learned always to take um, insect repellent on vacation. Yeah. Well, yeah, the Everglades, you know. Yeah. We went in the dry time of year, and it don't matter. (laughs) Those flies were voracious. Now, I'm assuming that you've got the brain cells that you've planned for feeding your pet. But medication is something you need to think of, especially since... When you're traveling with an animal, they get exposed to a whole lot more parasites and communicable diseases from other members of their species than they normally do at home. And uh, animals in general have a lot more problem with parasite transmission than people do because they walk around barefoot stepping on each other's poop a lot. And that's a great way to get infected with somebody else's diseases. So bottom bottom we're gonna bottom line here. If you have a if you have a pet that never leaves the house, you better plan on that pet never leaving the house. Or or gonna figure be, out and you're and, gonna be miserable. So oh yeah, oversized load. Yeah, whoa, whoa. Yeah. That wasn't even an oversized load and the guy was driving on my side of the road. Like, oh yeah. <laughs> It's a little narrow. Yeah, the road out to the place. I'm telling you, this we're, our place is out in the middle of nowhere, and this road is not not commuter-friendly, <laughs> to yeah. say the least. It's a windy, narrow, barely paved road. Why so, we're not moving out here as long as I have my day job. Yeah, because there's no... Well, for one thing, if the water's high, we're not getting out. Yeah. So there's that. I mean, we can't. There is one route that you can get out of here if the water's high, but it's round the bend. Yeah. It's round the horn to get there. Okay, so you got anything else for this episode? Think about your pets because you love them and you don't want to mistreat them, but they are not seamlessly easy and comfortable to travel with. Okay. Except for them too. One other thing, if you are looking for a place to get away from it all, but you still want to have the smallest 
semblance of civilization somewhere nearby. I'd like to recommend the Sand Hills area of Nebraska. Lovely place. Lovely place. Big reservoir, too, if you like, you know, boating. Ample, ample clear water close to the surface. Uh, you're not going to grow a lot of, a lot of gardens there. You're just not, unless you bring in the dirt because it's the. They yeah. call it the Sand Hills because it's the Sand Hills. Didn't see a single farmers market the entire time we were out. There are three or four small communities there that you could do the in-town shelter thing. That somebody like a Mel Tappan uh, would be a fan of. And so if you wanted to do that. And there's also... Um, there's also plenty of places that are way off the, off the everything. So plenty of water. It does get cold in the winter. It does Not get cold in the Not plenty of fuel. And it, but it is not, it's not a place for those who love the city lights. But it's a place, if you're looking for a place to go, that you want to get away from it all, Cherry County, Nebraska. That's my gift to you. <laughs> if you're not, well, then stay away from <laughs> Cherry County, Nebraska. <laughs> they do get a lot of, they actually get a lot of tourists there because the, of the uh, Niabora River is a great float river. Not that we've had a great experience in it, but a lot of people have. Don't try it in a drought year. Let's don't try it in way. a drought year <laughs> in a canoe where one person weighs a lot more than the other person, and the canoe sits, you know. I was so far above the water. <laughs> yeah. And I was hitting every rock with my toucus sitting on aluminum. Anyway, not a good experience. <laughs> so... Be blessed, and spice signing off. Spicy, spicy, <laughs> spicy out. You really are salty. <laughs> okay, spicy and salty, and whoever I am, out. Bye. <laughs>